Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 506 of Accelerate, where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Joining me at Accelerate today is Joe Gianni. He's the CEO and president of Two Logical Inc., a training company based in Rochester, New York. Joe is also the author of a book titled Swagger, The Way of the Sway to Sales and Life Success. And I invited Joe on the show to talk about Swagger because it's an interesting book and I want Joe to explain the five core governing beliefs that he believes will unlock your individual potential and trigger the behaviors and habits you need to succeed in sales and in life. Joe Gianni, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you very much, Andy. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. So first question for you, and sort of standard question I ask a lot of guests, but it's you know, sort of relevant to what we're talking about today is, so what, what in your mind, what is the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? Yeah, by, by far the, the, the biggest challenge that all sales reps are facing today is really coping with the uh, enormous pressure to change and keep adjusting and keep refining uh, uh, themselves uh, in order to go out, uh, go to market. Um, you know, the, the, I, I, never before have I seen such an enormous demand for people to really be uh, extremely talented to be able to compete out there. And I think it has so much to do with uh, the tremendous uh, competition that uh, is coming at uh, people in sales from all different corners uh, of uh, the marketplace. Well, it's sort of interesting to bring that up because uh, just the guest I interviewed earlier today or recorded an interview with earlier today was saying that was really almost a point of despair. And he's also been a consultant, uh, you know, working with companies for a long time, was that it's almost the opposite is that not that the demand isn't the same as you talked about, but that sales reps weren't stepping up to the bar to you know, embrace this change and embrace developing themselves. Yeah. I mean, are, you, are, you, are you seeing that? I mean, it's, it's hot. And that's, yeah. that's such a, and I hear that from so many guests. I mean, we've nearly 500 yeah, episodes and it's a fairly constant theme that people bring up is just, you know, how do we, how do we motivate people to, you know, to invest in themselves? Well, you're exactly right. You know, the challenge is, is, you know, you go back a few decades ago, you could be decent and even okay. And, and you know, you can make a good living in sales. But today, across industry, because, you know, our organization works in and out of virtually every industry from the banking world to the energy world to the pharma world, you, you could have years ago been been pretty good and 
pretty decent and you still would do okay. But, you know, the, the today's day and age, you really have to commit to being the best. And, you know, that used to be something that people would talk about in the past. But today, you really won't make it because you're not able to adapt quick enough if you're not really extremely skilled. And so, you know, it's it really starts by waking people up to recognize the need that if you're going to enter the world of sales and you're going to pursue a career, which, by the way, is one of the most phenomenal careers that any person could pursue, uh, it's not for the meek and mild, and it's not for people that are just going to be average players. It really necessitates people digging down deep and recognizing their potential and their ability uh, to become lethal in this trade and the need to become lethal in this trade. Right. Well, I mean, okay, I agree with that premise, but we still have this 80-20 distribution throughout most sales organizations or 20-80, however, whichever one you want to put first. So, so, you know, I always look at when I work with companies, you know, sort of what I call the great middle class of, of the sellers there, you know, not the top performers, but the ones that could really, you know, move the needle if they just boosted their performance. It still seems like we're still talking about that same group of people. I mean, decade after decade is, is, you know, how do we, how do we make a higher fraction of the people hit the bar? Yeah. But, you know, uh, you know, Andy, uh, at uh, at the risk of coming across too strong uh, for the listeners, uh, been doing that for a long, long time. And I'll share with you the reason the 80-20 principle applies is because uh, virtually uh, 100% of the sales forces are trained the same way. They're very heavily steeped in skill and process training. And as a result of that, only the people that have the highest what we call motivational intelligence are the ones that really embrace and master the the fundamental skill sets that are necessary to rise and become a peak performer. You know, the best athletes in the world, uh, they become the best athletes in the world because they become masters of the fundamentals of their game. Uh, the best armies in the world are masters of fundamentals. And the same is true for salespeople. The best salespeople, the ones that are that, you know, that do 80% of the business that make up 10 or 20% of the, the organization's talent, uh, they're folks that are masters of those fundamentals. So the question we have to ask ourselves in, in leadership and our our listeners is what causes those certain people to rise? What causes that 20% to to sit through a fundamental skill set on, say, building rapport with total strangers or becoming a master of referraling and developing centers of influences and networking to grow their books of business? What causes them to go through that kind of fundamental skill training and within a very reasonably short period of time become a master of it versus the thundering herds that sit through the same class and do not. And then the premise or what I want to uh, share is that there's uh, the gap is in the uh, approach of the training. The, the emphasis is on the how to and nowhere near enough on the want to, nowhere near enough on building the, the proper burning in their belly and convictions to master those fundamental skills first. That, that, you know, the heart of a champion, as they say, uh, sure. that you see in athletics. Well, I mean, you're talking about motivation. I mean, a lot of people say you can't train motivation. I mean, motivation is either, you know, intrinsic to a person or not. Is <laughs> yeah, that what well, you think? Yeah, well, you and I both know that that's really truly not the case. You know, virtually people that are uh, that that ignite, if you will, that light up in their life. 
they don't ignite and light up in their life because you know the uh, our creator you know gifts it to some and, and shortchanges others. There's a sequencing and an involvement in their thinking that they come to over time from life's experiences that causes them to be able to really recognize some core fundamental things. Uh, you know, uh, sim- simply putting that first off that you know the real power and the real joy of life comes from recognizing uh, something as simple that we have the power to create that you and I not only have the ability to envision who we want to become and the ability to become it, but uh, we have the responsibility to actually study that and move towards it. And the greatest people, the most motivated, self-motivated people you and I have ever known, whether it be Thomas Edison having the motivation to go through 10,000 experiments to create the bulb, or whether it's somebody you and I have read books on in terms of uh, on the path to become the best in in sales or become the best in terms of uh, a pro athlete. It's because they believe in their dreams. They believe in that conviction. And that's the first step. You know, dogs can't create, elephants can't create, or orangutans can't create. But you and I and our listeners, they have the power to create. We all have the power to create. And that's really where the first step of motivation starts from. And that's a learned behavior. Uh, that's a that's a learned discussion uh, or series of discussions to get people to really recognize that they can be no greater than their dreams, but yet if they dream, they can have what they want. So talk to me about the creative thing. You talk about yeah, that is the spur to motivation. So define what you mean by create in this sense. Yeah, you know, something as simple as, you know, uh, speaking with a salesperson and asking them uh, or an entire sales organization and you know, asking them, you know, rather than what's the least that they can do in their career, what's the least they can do as a team, what's the most? Uh, uh, you know, uh, as how many people have ever really drawn the line in the sand and imagined and envisioned themselves as being the number one salesperson? The person or the people that become the number one salespeople or the consistently the top 10, 20 percent, those are men and women who actually wake up in the morning and think about being the top 10, top 20 percent. It really all starts with first imagining and seeing ourselves at the level of success that we want. The same thing is true in terms of doing turnaround work. Much, much my organization has done many, many turnarounds across industries. And it all starts with first addressing, you know, you would think it'd start with a skill, it'd start with a strategy. To us, you know, being extraordinarily successful at it, it starts by first asking, can you even imagine? Can you even think about being number one? Can you really imagine? Can you think about, can you see yourself being the most dominant player in this marketplace? And many times, you know, it, when you start out the conversation that way, they're not used to it. But they start at first saying, well, I don't know, I never thought about it, and say, well, then that's maybe why we can't get there. It all starts with first thinking about it, first imagining it. And by the way, that that's where the spark of motivation starts from. Who the heck's motivated to just get up and be average? <laughs> well, and the thing is, do people even think about it? What you're talking about is, is really requires a deliberate act. And you know, that's the part that's hard for people. It's easier just to go through the day and, and uh, you know, path of least resistance. Yeah, you know, Andy, you're exactly right. And, and you know, what I, what my decades of experience in working, coaching people for years is, it's really that uh, it's just a matter of them not knowing, not recognizing. They go through K through 12 education and even higher education, and no one's ever really spoken to them formally, consistently, to believe in them dreams, believe in what they want out of life, and to dream abundantly, to dream big, uh, rather than dream in minimums. 
And then, you know, from there, you know, the second level, if you will, so to speak, of motivational intelligence lies in we can have a dream, but most people will only dream based upon who they are, not based upon who they can become and who they need to become in order to make big dreams happen. So the other big key is also beginning to educate them, which they're not educated on the masses, of the the, the fact that you and I and every one of us have unlimited potential. You and I have the ability to become truly lethal at the fundamentals of sales, to use as, as, as the example. You know, some people say, you know, oh, well, I'm good at rapport, but I'm not good at qualifying. I'm good at qualifying. I'm not good at closing. That's crazy. Virtually every one of us has the ability to become lethal at the fundamentals of our trade if we first give ourselves permission to see it. And then we also begin to realize through a constant reflection and constant study that none of us were born lethal or great at anything. We all bo- were all born virtually a clean slate. None of us were born walking, but we can walk. None of us were born talking, but we can talk. You know, I, one of the analogies I used to use years ago when I'd run tr- uh, classroom training is I'd say, how many people here can drive a car? So, you know, everybody would raise their hand. How many people have a license? They'd raise their hand. I'd say, how many people People pass their license on the first test. You'd have maybe two thirds of the hands go up or half. I'd say, huh? So some of us didn't pass the first time. <laughs> and I'd laugh. I'd say, I know because I drove behind you on the way here. You're terrible at it now. <laughs> I make a joke out of it. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, ultimately getting a, getting the, the individual or the group to begin to understand that virtually we have potential inside of us, all these things, but it's up to you and I to get it out. And the same is true when you and I approach sales skill training. If that dialogue, that conversation, that mental level setting is not taking place, the only level set that people have to adopt skills is whatever they came to the classroom with or whatever they came to reading the book with. And that's why in my book, Swagger, I make a very clear and strong emphasis at the very beginning, the fir- almost the first half of the book, is really about studying what swagger is. And it's about the fact that men and women that you and I know around us that have true swagger, they have a different drum that they beat to. They have a different internal belief system about themselves, about their self-efficacy, about their convictions, about what's possible in their life. And as a result of that, they just plain don't move the same in any situation, whether it's positive or negative. And they're constantly learning and growing. They're constantly tapping into that potential. Yeah. Well, you said something interesting a couple minutes ago that that I think yeah. probably you know we could dig in on, which was that if people don't have the self belief that they can be become what they want to become, then. Mm-hmm. By the same token, is they can't, you know, a, a function of selling is you're inspiring your buyer to become what they want to become as well. And so if you don't feel it yourself, you're not going to be able to do that with the buyer. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the the journey of reaching our own individual full potential is the same thing in being a master marketer. If we can't see and believe and see into the future of what we can become, how do you and I lead someone else to be able to see the end benefits of what they're going to get by adopting your product or exactly. your service? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the yeah. point I was making. So, so you yeah. wrote a book. Published it uh, earlier this year, Swagger, The Way of the Sway to Sales and Life Success. So define swagger. Yeah, you know, swagger is very, you know, simply put, it's just as I, I alluded to a few moments ago, it's it's just basically the difference in the mindset that people who rise and become peak performers in virtually sales and for that matter in any walk in life. 
the, the, the essence of swagger is that people that have swagger have a different way that they interpret the environment. They don't react and, and act uh, similar to others uh, when things are uh, going difficult or things are, diff uh, are challenging. Uh, they don't view opportunities the same. They really just have an entire different uh, internal dialogue that goes on that causes them to be risk takers. It causes them to put forth the effort to work on fundamentals. It causes them to uh, know how to uh, dissect situations and pull out the good things and learn from every experience that they have. So that, that's basically uh, mm -hmm. the most simple way of explaining it. And, well, and I'm the second, curious, curious how you came yep. up with the word because I mean, you know, look on the face of it. I mean, typically swagger. Yeah, not always a not always a positive connotation to swagger. Swagger, right? I mean, sometimes people associate it with being cocky or arrogant. But I, it, I I suspect you didn't mean it that way. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, in fact, you know, I talk about you know at the beginning of the book the the Webster Dictionary, and it and it does it can have a negative connotation. Uh, but uh, you know, the Urban Dictionary uh, defines it uh, you know very much in the way that people act and react to circumstances and situations. And uh, the most successful people that I've ever met in life. Uh, again, it, uh, whether they're uh, evolving in sales or they're evolving in sales management or they're evolving in uh, in sports or in manufacturing, whatever it is, mm -hmm. they don't react and act the same way to the environment. And uh, as a result of that, they don't get caught up in the small things and they don't get caught up in the challenges and the setbacks. They get caught up in reaching their full potential and perfecting themselves. Yeah, well, I think that, yeah, that you're describing to a certain degree is, is a tolerance of ambiguity. Yeah. Right? I mean, what do you do in a situation where the, the ground rules aren't well-defined? Yeah, you know, you know you, uh, if you stop and you think about it, you know, when it comes to, you know, people, uh, say, in sales that want to become masters in sales, there's fundamentals uh, in the game. And uh, it's a matter of being able to know that when you and I see other people that are extraordinarily successful, there's not some magic to it. They're masters of these set fundamentals. And it's true, again, in everything. You know, people who rise in every trade, they rise because they become masters of those fundamentals. But they become masters because they first become masters of their own thinking. Right. And there lies the whole power of swagger. Let's go through. You talk about five core governing beliefs, and we've talked about one of them. The first one is you have the power to create. Uh, let's go through and actually talk about the second one. And you have unlimited potential and yeah. the shortcomings that we sometimes find with people not uh, taking responsibility for investing in themselves. So the third one is you said results are a function of cause and effect. So what did you what did you mean by that? Yeah, you know, think about how many times uh, you and I and 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 uh, your listeners, uh, you know, people uh, we run into people that you know they want to they want to become successful in sales, but yet they tend to gravitate to do things and act on things that they're the most comfortable with or what they like, rather than what the real truth of what's going to get them to be successful. The most fundamental basic law of success is that all success is cause and effect. I use a simple analogy. My mother-in-law makes a phenomenal apple pie, and she makes a phenomenal apple pie 99% of the time. And the reason is because she mixes the same ingredients in the same water, uh, in the same way, cooks it in the exact same way. And so 
a good 98, 99% of the time, it pops out, it's a great apple pie. The same is true in terms of developing people to rise and become that top, top, top producer in their organization. It's a matter of not recreating the wheel. It's a matter of learning how to study the wheel. And when you and I, for example, you, sh- you show me the top producer in every industry, and I'll show you men and women who are masters of referring and networking and developing centers of influences for their books of business. But yet most people will, will shy away from that because they're uncomfortable with it. And they don't want to ask people to introduce them to other people at Etc. Etc. So they say that it's good for other people, but not for them. Uh, you know, same would be true with closing. Most people don't have that courage to close, um, so they try to figure out other ways to get to their sales goals and sales success without mastering the fundamentals of closing. So the whole uh, the whole level of cause and effect is to really understand that we don't have to recreate the wheel when we want to get a bigger result. We simply have to get better at studying the wheel and then move from doing what we want to do or what we like to do, and instead do whatever's necessary as long as, as, long as it's honorable and, and, and of high integrity, that's necessary for us to master that capability, that skill. So in, in this environment, what this is a topic that people have brought up to me here recently, is so what role does luck play? <laughs> yeah, I like that. You know, I, I, my interpretation of that is simply this, that the only time that luck really plays a real powerful role in success is when it stands for the acronym uh, L-U-C-K, laboring under correct knowledge. And what I mean by that is that, you know, people, you, know, you think about it, how many times people say, you know, success comes down to being in the right place. It's not what you know, but who you know. But yet you and I have met many, many people who are in the perfect place Uh, They have the most unbelievable opportunity right in their hands right now, only to let that opportunity slip right through their fingers. So it's not a matter of being in the right place at the right time, because you and I see many people in the right place at the right time only to have success pass them by. It's not who we know. Who we know might get us someplace, but it's who we are that enables us to stay there and live in that world of success. So really, it comes down to really understanding that success is really a highly predictable thing in life, and that by you and I studying and developing ourselves the right way, we can, we can rise and accomplish whatever it is that we really want out of our careers. And as you said, take advantage of the opportunities when they arise. Yeah. I mean, that's, absolutely. That, to me, that's, that's the function of luck. So, so the next one, uh, Corbett, governing belief, self-esteem, self-efficacy. Um, self-esteem is sort of funny, sort of took me back. Uh, this used to be a big thing when my kids were in school, but you know, I think the state of California had a self-esteem problem. I don't think they do anymore. So self-efficacy, what describe what you meant by that? You know, what I mean by that, you know, this is a real, this is a real powerful trade secret, if you will, uh, for your listeners, you know, as a consultant for decades, you know, go into a sales operation and, you know, a lot of times they'll say, you know, uh, Joe, our, our sales team, we've got a lot of tenure here. You know, we, we need some of that advanced training. We need some advanced skill training. And, you know, very carefully ask them, well, you know, can you tell me who's the most lethal in your organization at, you know, the fundamental of, say, qualifying? And, you know, they'll say, well, you know, bon- Bonnie in Baltimore, she's pretty good. And I say, well, I didn't ask you who's pretty good, who's lethal at it. And virtually what they begin to realize is that most of their sales force is not lethal at those fundamentals. And so what I ask them is I say, well, why do you think that happens? What causes people to be in your sales operation for five years, eight years, 10 years or more in in their own careers and not really be lethal? And ultimately what the executives will begin to, after they ponder for a moment, is they say, 
you know, when you really think about it, they just don't believe. So what I then help them to understand is that if you want to kick your sales force to a bigger level of productivity, if you want to kick an individual sales team to a bigger level of productivity or an individual, you have to kick their self-concept to a bigger level. Big sales are made by big people. Big opportunities are captured by big people, talented people, and they're not talented with anything uh, from an advanced standpoint. They're talented and gifted at the refinement of those fundamentals. So when I talk about esteem as it pertains to swagger, I'm talking about really understanding the need to recognize that we can master whatever we need to, that we have to become bigger in order to accomplish the bigger things we want in life. We have to, you know, people that make big income, they make big income because they're big, talented people. So why would it be any different for anybody else? So that's what I mean uh, very heavily uh, in terms of the discussion on self-esteem. And the other thing, too, is helping people to understand at the very crux of self-esteem is really how they interpret feedback in their lives. You know, most people, yeah, right, most people see feedback as either, you know, uh, uh, it's good or bad. And to to us, it's just positive or negative. It's it's not a matter of winning or losing. It's a matter of winning and learning. So whether they're refining a skill set with the proper self-esteem, they're able to have constant challenges and setbacks and not necessarily perfection, but yet rather than, you know, talk and run, they're able to stay in the game and keep pushing back until they ultimately refine themselves. And that's all a matter of proper self-esteem. Yeah. No, as you said, it's really having the confidence to hear feedback and then integrate it into what you do. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, but then that's, that's part of personal development. I think that, you know, part of what we we suffer with as we sort of preface the conversation with is is this you know lack of investment that people you know don't undertake to invest in their personal personal development i think really stems from the fact that they're afraid to take on something new for fear that they might not be able to master it or you know the feedback they get in trying to learn it will be negative at least initially until they master it and so they don't want to go through that yeah, that's exactly right. And and again, at the most basic fundamental level, they really don't understand because, you know, K through 12 is not teaching anybody that before they can have, they have to become. And before they can have the things they want in their life, they have to become the talent that's capable of attracting that into their lives. So that's why all these 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 four core beliefs and the fifth one on fear and comfort zone management become so critical to an individual rising and excelling or, or for that matter, an entire team, an entire sales force. Uh, when you and I start to develop an entire sales organization at this fundamental level, the mindset level, and then mesh it with fundamental skills, I'll share with you that the impact of that is profound. Uh, doing this for you know 25, closing in really on close to 28 years, uh, never one time have we ever worked closely with an individual or an organization and helped them to begin to really understand, number one, everything we've said, but then how to actually implement it where it's not had a profound impact on the results. Um, you know, I, I think of a story uh, of an organization uh, years ago, uh, Oki Data. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but sure. uh, they're a great technology company, but they were famous years ago for the dot matrix printer. Right. But, you know, Oki Data also is just a tremendous technology company, and uh, they had enormous patents and breakthroughs on on-demand color printing. And uh, years back, uh, they had uh, come to us because 
they recognized that uh, they were uh, they had built a sales force for decades that only sold through resellers. And uh, no matter how much they uh, were trying to push their products, they just didn't have the the, the name recognition, the brand recognition that a, a Hewlett Packard or a Xerox had. So the their resellers kept taking the path of least resistance and selling the bigger brand sure, names. Sure. So so the executives recognized at Oki that they needed to go direct. And they even recognized they needed to teach their, their sales force different skill sets in terms of how to prospect, how to close differently, how to qualify differently. So they started investing all kinds of money in some sales skill training. The only challenge is it wasn't working at all. And uh, they had heard about our organization, so they they accessed us. And when they sat down with uh, my uh, director of global learning, they said, well, this is our strategy. We want to go direct. What do you think? I said, well, fundamentally, yeah, that's the only way you're going to really gain traction. You guys have, you know, your product is just better, but no one knows it because it's not being pitched. They said, great. And they said, well, we know we need better skills, so we're training, but it's not working. So uh, our director of global learning said, well, we'd like to stop and do a little due diligence. And they were a little frustrated. They didn't want they didn't want to take the time, sure. but uh, did a little bit of due diligence, came back two weeks later, sitting with the executives. And the first thing they said was, well, what's wrong with our sales training? And our director of training said, well, nothing. And they said, nothing. You know, don't you people want to say, you know, a training contract? I said, well, of course, it's, it's what we do. <laughs> but uh, the fact of the matter is that there's really nothing wrong with your sales training. The challenge is you're missing a piece. And they said, well, what do you mean? And said, well, your, your, your focus of your training is on around telling people what to do, even trying to show them what they need to do differently. But that's not the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is that they lack the conviction. They lack the confidence. They lack the esteem and the belief that they can actually do it. And they and, the, uh, and went on to say, you know, but you got to understand your sales force isn't going to tell you that. And they're, they're never going to tell you we lack conviction and belief. Instead, they're going to say things like, why do we have to do it this way? This will never work. We've never done it this way before. <laughs> and with that, they turned white as a ghost. They were like, holy cow, that's exactly what they're saying. And say, look, if you give us enough rope to hang ourselves, we'll build the training from this perspective. We'll develop the mindset and then develop the skill set and watch the impact. So when we did further due diligence, it's interesting, Andy, they, we found out they had not hit a sales goal in nine years in a row. They were changing their <laughs> president of sales right. like you and I change our clothes. But the reality is after 45 days of re reshaping and re-engineering re their training, they went on and they started hitting their numbers month after month, year over year. Uh, and they went on to hit that 36 months in a row. And that was through the the, the height of um, the um, uh, the debacle with 9-11 uh, and the bursting of the, uh, the dot-com boom. Uh, while all that was going on, Okidata was ripping the lid off of their sales. And I'd love to say it's because, oh, you know, our trainers are so great and, you know, they're really talented. But the truth is, it was about engineering the development this way. And that's really what the key is. And that's for all of your listeners that are sales salespeople that maybe are new in sales. That's the path for them to really rise. For those that have been selling for five years, eight years, if they've not walked the high life, if they've not reached the pinnacle of sales success yet, it's not good and not bad. It just is. But the, the thing that stands in their way is not the market 99% of the time. It's not the competition 99% of the time. It's not the pricing 99% of the time. Oh, wouldn't it be great if you and I were in a, in a company where everything was perfect that way? The thing that always stands in their way is themselves. Yeah. I mean, you talk about that again in the book of the sort of the, the uh, fear factor, if you will, getting a breaking out of your comfort zone, your fifth core belief, how, yeah. to be, how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. See, most people don't recognize that, it, you know, one of the biggest robbers throughout human history of people's future lies in their, their in, 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 uh, inadequate understanding of their fears and their comfort zones. You know, virtually, you know, what is a comfort zone? You know, just helping our listeners, helping your listeners to define that. A comfort zone is the imaginary line in people's mind's eye that they draw that is what they believe they're capable and worthy of and what they believe they're not capable or worthy of. So anytime a person's going to try a new skill or they're going to try to grow double their income or whatever it may be, if they don't first believe that, they won't they will not act with courage every day to do the things that are necessary to go through those walls. But yet, once they understand that their comfort zones is virtually that imaginary line, when they have that emotion of fear, they recognize that it's normal and that's what that's what they have to keep going through. And that's why we talk about it's not a matter of not having fear or not being uncomfortable. It's about learning that that's part of us becoming. So you and I and all of us, when we're trying something new, we have the emotion of fear. And the most successful people I know, they, they learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable because they recognize the only way for them to, to, to move that boundary in their mind of what they think they can do and can't do is by keep pushing against it yeah an expression i like to use is they learn how to control their chaos so yeah. that's i like yeah i mean it's yeah. we're yeah oftentimes situations in sales where we are uncomfortable or life and business and and how do you work through it and uh yeah and the whole the whole expression is you know calm your breathing control your chaos and <laughs> Yeah, good, good way to do it. You're in that greater New York uh, City area, and uh, I, uh, you know, my my one and my really only claim to fame is that I grew up with uh, uh, my next door neighbor. Growing up was a young boy named Norman Julius Esiason. Grew up became Boomer Esiason, and right, wrote, yeah. uh, one of the biggest uh, radio uh, shows in that tri-state area there. And uh, he and I stood in, stood up in each other's weddings. We've been lifelong best friends. But, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, watching, you know, talk about swagger from a very young age. He was mentally conditioned first to believe in himself, believe in his dreams, believe in his potential to to not try to recreate the wheel, but to study the best in the trade. Uh, in his case, wanting to be an NFL quarterback uh, and uh, to learn from his mistakes and to face his fears every single day. And uh, it was that that came first before the the athletic capabilities. It's the misnomer that, you know, the athleticism is born to some and not to others. Otherwise, there'd be no superstars like a Muggsy Bogues, say, from the NBA either. Sure. Who grew at the right, they, they're right height of five foot four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gosh, you know, we're, we talk about Muggsy Bogues. Bogues, we're dating ourselves because. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since he, he was in the NBA. But yeah, at five, six, five, five, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, pretty impressive, especially when he slam dunked the ball. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Joe, we just about run out of time. So, yeah. great conversation. Tell folks how they can connect with you and learn more about what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, I can be reached, obviously, on LinkedIn uh, and, of course, twological.com. And, of course, they could uh, visit uh, Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble and, uh, or go to swaggerbook.com and uh, take a peek at uh, the book. I think they'll really enjoy it, and uh, I think it'll be a real weapon for them in their careers going forward. Well, excellent. Okay. Well, Joe, again, thanks for being on the show. And friends, thank you for spending this time with me today. Remember, come back, join me again tomorrow for another excellent guest. Until then, if you take a second, really appreciate it. Maybe when you finish listening to this, this podcast on your phone, on your podcast app, subscribe to Accelerate, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you and see what we can do better to, to help serve your needs. So until tomorrow, this is Andy Paul. Thanks for joining us. 
Good selling, everyone. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.